What's going on? It's your boy Mixman to be here live from the NMB Radio Studios for the NMB Radio Podcast, where no topic is too big or too small. We talk about them all, and I want to welcome in a woman who we spoke to briefly at Exotica in New Jersey, and we want to uh, touch base with her again because we have a lot of things we need to talk about. There's so much different things going on in this world, and we want to talk about the sports world because we know she's a big Boston sports fan. So I want to welcome her in right now, adult entertainer, Miss Tyler Faith. Tyler, what's going on? Hi, how are you? Doing awesome. Uh, as I said, crazy times right now. Um, first off, are, are you're well, I assume. You're talking to us, so everything is good where you are? I am. I'm well. I'm safe. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I can't complain. You know, I have food. I have shelter, water, you know, and I'm not sick. So that's most important. That's the good thing, you know. I mean, with this this whole virus situation going on, we've had different guests coming on all week, and we kind of been just kind of talking to different guests and kind of finding out like what their mental state is, how everybody is kind of uh, keeping up with everything that's going on. So, um, a little bit different because you are calling us from the Boston area, correct? I am, yes. Okay, so it's a little bit different. So we've spoken to people. I mean, a lot of uh, adult talent, you know, is stationed in either. Uh, Miami, Florida, or out in California. So we've gotten different perspectives on what's going on in the scene in California, which is is a cluster in its own right now out in LA, and then Florida now starting to get a little bit more amped up. But uh, what what's the situation like in Boston? I haven't heard much of stuff on the news of how the Boston area is dealing with all this. You know, it's kind of crazy, but I I mean, I hate to like always pump up my where I'm from because I feel like I always do. But you know, today just like. A little while ago, um, the the Patriots, like Robert Kraft, sent his plane. Him and the governor, like you know, did some ch- type of deal where they got, they got to get their plane over to China and they got a million masks. Those big N95, you can't get them anywhere. Masks, um, and they brought back a million and a half masks. And like you know, now they're going to go to New York and a couple other places. But you know, we have some of the biggest hospitals here, so there's you know. It, there, it's a huge need, and it's just crazy that what amazing, you know, I feel like people are really coming together in this state here. Yeah, I did see the report on uh, on the ESPN app today. I read that story about Robert Kraft and how they had to get, like, uh, clearance where, you know, they took the uh, the Patriots private jet there, and they were they, they filled it to capacity. I believe there's still a couple more masks that they're going to be able to send over at another time because they just couldn't get everything on this uh, – massive you know airliner that robert Kraft had sent over there um but i said it's weird because i mean i'm right outside the philadelphia area so i mean we clearly we're hearing things from about philadelphia you know in the epic center of which everything is going on in new york which is just you know it's just north of us but i really haven't heard too much uh you know like what's going on in the boston and in the metro boston area um but what is some of the things that you're doing now that you're in isolation i'm assuming you guys are at a stay on home lockdown i think 90 percent of the country's kind of been told to stay at home yeah we're on we we've had that now for a while i feel like i've been in for so much longer than that though you know like i think you know when they first like started announcing this in the beginning of march is when um i've been home since then so i've had a lot of time to to figure out what i'm going to do with all my time i guess um but you know i just go to the grocery store stuff like you know necessities like that um but, you know, I've, I've got to read a lot of books. I've actually, I mean, obviously Netflix is my best friend now, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I guess in a way, you know, you guess you can you can connect with people, you know. Now, I don't know. It's it's I feel like it's a blessing and a curse, you know. It, it's a horrible situation. But I feel like the world or maybe not the world, but us, you know, the United States is coming together and helping each other, you know, and just in communities are helping each other, helping, you know, people that are older. I've, I've seen so many uh, beautiful things that people are going to nursing homes and doing like shows outside the windows or like, you know, they'll have microphones and they'll sing and just, it just that type of stuff is, is amazing. You know, like teachers are doing drive by parades for all the kids to see. I mean, you would never really see that any other time other than a crisis, you know, and it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And, and it's like I said, it's a blessing in disguise and a, and a curse, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I have to admit that we've had an increase in guests this week on the podcast because you, you stop and think about it. It's like, I would love to interview a lot more people on a regular basis, but schedule wise doesn't allow me to. And sometimes guest schedules doesn't allow them to, but when we're all cooped up in the houses together, 
you know, like where else are we going to do? What else are we, you know, so we've had a lot of different guests come on. And um, so for everybody, it's not aware. I mean, you are an adult entertainer and you've been in the business for quite some time. Um, I have. Yeah. And like, but there have been guests that we've had on who may have not been in the game as long as you have, or is not as accomplished yet as you have been. And they're trying to find different ways to, uh, make income, whether it be OnlyFans and, you know, uh, Sex Panther and some of these other, you know, apps where they can interact with fans. Um, how are you maintaining with all this right now? I mean, like, or, I mean, how often were you shooting prior to all this was happening? You know, are you just kind of doing your own content? Like, what is, what is a game plan that you may have put in place? You know, I, luckily, um, I, yeah, I have been doing it for a long time. So if I, I have other things going on too, but you know, OnlyFans is a great avenue. You know, it, it's, when I first started, there was not even really like an internet, you know, like, I mean, I started when there was VHS tapes and most people don't even know what a VHS is anymore. So, <laughs> um, which is crazy, but you know, it, it, OnlyFans and the Sex Panther and the Dream Lover and Chad Star, these are great avenues for anybody to, um, to make money. You can, you know, if you want to hustle, you're going to make money, you know, no matter what, if you put some time and effort into it, you're going to make money, you know, um, social media, if you just put some time and effort into it, you're definitely, you're going to be seen and you're going to make money. So it's a great time for anybody really coming in and, or, or being in it for a little while and, and, you know, wanting to make money, you can. Um, I wasn't really shooting as much as I was dancing. So that kind of like, you know, the dancing, obviously, you know, everything was, you know, been canceled for a while. So that, um, that sucked, but you know, <laughs> what are yeah. you going to do? Now, I mean, you said that you were dancing and everything and we know that you've uh, been, you know, especially in the Northeast, we've seen you, you post things on social medias about different appearances and everything without getting too much into your personal life and everything, how much of that is uh, impacting you financially? Um, you know, dancing is a, is great money. So that's, that, that definitely is a big impact. You know, um, I still make money from OnlyFans, which is, which is great. And they have other things, but you know, a dancing gig, a couple of dancing gigs a month are, is really good money, you know, for anybody, you know, cause the club is paying you to go there. Mm -hmm. And then whatever you make in tips, you know, is, is, is extra, you know, you're getting paid just to walk on a stage, which is pretty cool, you know? Now working with different companies in the past, and I like see you really haven't been doing a whole lot of shooting. Um, did you have any plans that were like about to, to go down or about to happen that kind of been halted or was it kind of like, didn't really have anything too exclusive have, lined up? Yeah, no, I didn't have any shooting, um, anything. Sh I wasn't shooting for anybody coming up. So no, I did that. I wasn't impacted that way. No. I mean, we've had some guests that are saying that they were in the process, I guess, of shooting different things and then everything just kind of went, you know, kaput. Yeah. And now, and now a lot of them are not even sure if whatever they shot is even going to be enough to, you know, even do anything. And it's almost kind of like feeling like they've, uh, wasted not not wasted but you know there's material out there that it's not enough to complete whatever the companies right. that we're looking for and right. they're kind of like uh, scrapping things together um right. so nothing was you know lined up anything like that but or do you have any plans to do anything with your only fans anything that is is new and exciting that fans that are kind of quarantined right now and are like i really need something to do other than look at <laughs> tiger king for the millionth oh, time god my goodness that show i can't i can't, i refuse to watch it i refuse <laughs> but um tomorrow i'm is i'm super excited i'm doing my very first live show on my only fans um it's my birthday so i'm gonna do a big birthday show well happy so it's, birthday that's kind of really exciting so it's your 21st birthday and you're doing a it's, live well, show. <laughs> I mean, it's 25th, but you know, no one's counting. <laughs> so when uh, the live show, uh, I guess fans would, are they going to be able to interact with you and ask questions to you or is it yes, just kind of like. They, they will be able to interact and talk and um, there'll be some really good sex happening. So yeah, so it'll be, it'll be a fun filled night of excitement for everybody me and for them okay now so, so we were saying like is it just you yourself or are you gonna have guests or 
Uh, well, we have to find I, out. I mean, I'm quarantined, so I can't have guests. But mm. I do. <laughs> I, I my boyfriend lives with me, so so it's okay for you know it's okay for us. We're quarantined together, so it's all there right. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah. So I, I want to get in some questions because I did ask a couple of people to send me in some questions. And, sure. Um, so. I'm curious because we spoke briefly at Exotica and, you know, I mean, Exotica is, is very quick. It's like, you know, very like one, two, like what's going on, you know, I'm like super stoked to be here. And you don't really get to get in depth and ask like the real questions of like how you got into this business, um, you know, what made you want to get into it and all that kind of stuff. So tell us for people who are not familiar with your backstory. So I was a dancer a um, long, long time ago. I was at a club or whatever, you know, and I used to see features come in and I was like, oh my God, I want to be a feature, you know, like this is great. It looks like so much fun. They're traveling, this and that, different places. And they were all porn stars. And so I said to myself, oh, so if I do a little bit of porn, you know, I could, hence I had no idea really what I was getting myself into. Um but I was like, oh, if I do a little, a couple movies, then I can become a feature, you know, which obviously that's not the truth. You have to establish yourself and, you know, before you can go on the road and become a feature. But um, so I started, like, I just, I started doing Girl Girl. Um, and I, I didn't think I was going to be so, I loved it. Like, I loved being in front of the camera. I loved performing. And I just, I, I, I actually totally forgot about dancing and I totally pursued, um, you know, doing movies and I luckily got signed to a contract by Jill Kelly. So, I mean, that was an amazing, you know, that it was awesome that that happened and she really took me under her wing and showed me, you know, the ropes, I guess, if that's what you, how you say it, but you know, and it was, it was an awesome experience. I had an awesome time shooting for them and, you know, I got really lucky. I really did because right off the bat, I got signed to a contract, so it was awesome. Now, were you making more as a feature dancer, or you know, or stripping, dancing, whatever it may be, or were you making more money doing the porn stuff? Um, I was making more money dancing mm-hmm. because I wasn't shooting. I was, you know, I just like got in. I just started it, you know, just doing a few things. And then when you sign a contract, well, back in the day when you signed a contract, you didn't sign a contract for money reasons. You signed a contract to be famous or to, to get known, you know, and, and from that you got, you know, magazine layouts, you got to dance, you got to do appearances, you got to, you know, be on billboards or, you know, whatever. You you know, we yeah. had a big booth at AVN, that type of thing. So, so you really weren't making a lot of money with your contract. You made money doing other things from your contract, but the root of your contract was to get seen. And that was, you know, cause advertising, you know, and somebody paying to put your pictures in AVN magazine every month is, you know, well worth it. So mm-hmm. it was a good trade off. So it was helping you build the brand. And exactly. you said you got caught up in doing the, the porn stuff rather than the dancing. So, clearly like the financial situation was not even crossing your mind. So what sparked you to continue to do the, the porn and the film aspect more than the dancing? Um, you know what, at one, at, at some point it just came together too. So mm-hmm. I started building a name and then, you know, then I started featuring and I, and I actually started featuring with Jill Kelly. So we would go on the road together, which was awesome, you know, she, cause she was such a big name. And, um, so it kind of like it kind of gelled together after a while, which was, which was like a gift for me. Mm-hmm. Now, when you got into the business, explain to people out there how different it is today, if you were to get into the business, as opposed to when you got into the business when you did. I can't. I don't, it's so crazy because I can't even really like explain it to people because they just don't. There was definitely. It was a smaller amount of people, obviously, smaller amount of stars. It was a smaller amount of companies. Um, and the companies, it were, you know, it was like the big companies were Vivid, Wicked, Digital Playground, Jill Kelly Productions, um, Evil Angel. You know, there was like, you could name all the companies that were were a player in the game. And the big thing was back then was to be on box covers, 
and to be seen because you'd be if you were on a box cover you'd be in stores you know because nothing was online then you actually had to go to a store and buy a video you couldn't go on your phone or your computer or anything you had to physically walk into a store and buy a porn movie or even you would have to go to a video store and rent it you mm -hmm. know so to me, I guess that's the biggest difference is that you actually had to leave your home and physically go buy movies or rent them. So I can remember as a child going into the video rental stores and you, you sneak past the little curtain and go into the adult area and it's just nothing but VHS box covers with styrofoam stuck in them. So you had to like take the box up to the counter for them to put the tape in it. But I mean... It, you think about it, it really does make sense because like clearly, even at a young age then, I knew what boxes I liked better than the other boxes. So it's just like, hey, I like this one, this one with the blonde and the big boobs. Right. This is the one I want to, you know, I want to see. And the Internet has made it so much easier for people to be seen and noticed. But again, like we were talking about gifts and curses of things. It's also been a curse, too, because he said there wasn't as many production or you know companies right. back then there wasn't as much talent and now there's like an influx of talent and anybody who has the internet faster than <laughs> dial up i don't even know if dial up even exists anymore but i'm sure there's some AOL. yeah i'm sure there's some little aol little yellow guy running across your screen making like weird <laughs> fax noises but if you're still running on dial up if you had access to the internet you could essentially become your own makeshift star you know yeah, just from a social yeah. media gathering and all that stuff um, yeah so when you got into it what was something that you felt attracted people you know um would have been kelly's productions or you know any of these other groups that you were working with what what you think made you stand out um was it a lack of other you know talent out there so it's kind of like by default or like how like how how like aggressive was it to for people to try to get into it because there was only so many spots you would think back then well you know what you could be i mean there was a lot of there you know there was a, a decent amount of girls that were just talent but to be a contract star was like a big deal like i'm trying to like think of something to compare it to in like you know regular life like to, if you got signed to a contract you were like, you know, in high school, there's like the popular crew and then there's the, you know, the the people that, you you, you, you know, you, they have the cool table and then they have like the little, you know, the okay looking girls and then they have those like nerdy people. So I guess it was like, you know, you would like the popular crew in high school if you signed a contract with a porn company, you know, like mm -hmm. you were the elite of the elite. So I guess that was the biggest thing is everybody wanted to sign a contract. And when you signed a contract, you only worked within your company. So I could only work with, you know, I only shot for Jill Kelly Productions. I only shot, you know, with the, the talent that we hired. Um, but, you know, I could never work for a different company. And no, and nobody else, and no other contract stars could work for other companies. Um, but I guess that's probably the biggest thing. And the reason why was because they invested so much money into you you know, because they only had a, a handful of girls at a time, you know, I, I would probably say that maybe at the most we might have had seven or eight contract girls at a time, but I don't, I don't even think we had that many. So they really invested a lot of money into their contract girls, into marketing them, advertising them, getting them, you know, you know, we hosted um, this big tour across the country called the porn star ball. And it was like the Jill Kelly girls hosting, you know, and it was like, it was on, um, like HBO or something, you know, it was like, like mainstream gigs and this and that and magazines. So you could, I mean, obviously other girls could get that, but you, if you had a marketing team behind you and a whole company behind you, it's a hell of a lot easier than doing it on your own, I guess. Now, let me ask you, too. Um, so doing this and being getting this mainstream exposure, at what point in your career did you realize that it was now going to change, that, you know, the Internet was starting to evolve? Like, did you see it firsthand changing? And then what was some of these productions companies reactions or something like that? You know, I don't I feel like because I left um, 
I left for personal reasons in 2011, I think it was. Like, I moved out of L.A. and moved back to Boston um, for family reasons. But so I feel like that was right when the Internet thing blast, I guess, started happening. And, you know, I feel like during that time, like over the next few years of that period is when the companies like, you know, I think Wicked sold out to um, to to like an internet company. Um, like I feel like all these big companies like sold out to the internet companies like really quick. And I don't know how that happened. Maybe just because these VHS DVD companies didn't get like on the ball with the internet right away or they just didn't realize the switch over, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know like Joe Kelly productions went bankrupt, uh, but and penthouse bought their company, but even penthouse, you know, they, they didn't hit the the, um, the curve for the um, internet either, you know, and they bought a, a video company. So I, I don't know. It's just, I feel like I didn't see the changeover, but when I came back and started shooting again, it was quickly apparent that everything had changed like immensely. What was the one thing that stood out when you came back that you were like, okay, this is totally different. The, the number of people on a set is much smaller now. It's a different type of feeling. It's a different crew. You know, it's like literally probably, I mean, I, I was on sets that there was, you know, a crew of like 20 people. Now I feel like if there's three people there, that's a big crew. You know, it's it's crazy. Like, I feel like it's a one camera person and that's it. You know, there's no, you know, when I used to shoot for Jill Kelly, we had two camera people. You know, we had like a, a person with a microphone. We had a still person, a, a you know, a makeup person on set all the time. A craft services. Now there's like like a couple donuts and a coffee, and and, so, <laughs> and you're you know, lucky to get that. <laughs> and you're lucky to get and, right. And you might get a water, but you might not. So you might have to bring your own. Um, now, a lot of people that are trying to get into the business. I mean. Clearly right now is probably not the good time to get into it with everything going on right now. But people that were thinking prior to this outbreak um, about getting into the business and a lot of stories that I hear from people that are trying to get into it is that they're being asked to do all kinds of wild, crazy shit that like they never even thought of in their personal lives. Maybe seen an, an example of it once or twice, you know, on the Internet. What was the big thing when you got into it that was like, it was like a deal breaker. Like you, you had to do these type of scenes or was there any, you know what? I never, I always, that was the one thing I said to myself, if I'm going to get into this and do this, like I have to always be okay with my, myself. Like I have to look at myself in the mirror. And if I didn't do something in my personal life, I was not doing it on film. And there was, you know, and I had a few things that I said, I will never ever do. And I, I stuck to it. You know, I just, I wasn't into all that crazy stuff, but we didn't do that at Joe Kelly productions. We, we didn't, I, I didn't do gang bangs. And I didn't do, you know, bukkakis and this and that. I didn't, you know, I, I shot like two anal scenes. So I just, I didn't do all that crazy stuff. I, I liked the porn where it was really pretty. It was two hot people having really amazing sex. The chemistry was great. That's what I want to see. And that's what I like, you know? So I feel like I tried to always do what I would be okay with watching. You know, I didn't want to do anything. I don't want to watch somebody with an umbrella in their ass. I don't think it's sexy. I don't, I don't know who does, but I just, all that extreme stuff does is not, doesn't turn me on. And I don't know who it turns on, but I don't even want to be their friend. So, and it's easier, I think now, for 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 you back then, I should say, easier for you back then to had said no to certain things because one, it wasn't being asked of you. Two, right. you were you know a, a contract star, so they've already committed to put any the marketing behind you because they knew if they didn't, then it wasn't going to make them any money. And I feel like it's kind of flipped a little bit now. Whereas today, if you tell somebody you're not going to do something, then they'll just find somebody else that's willing to do it. So it's almost, exactly. it's very cutthroat in a way that somebody else is going to do 
something wild and extreme, like you said, some kind of umbrella play, which, by the way, I've never seen any of that, so you've witnessed and seen more shit than I have, because I haven't seen nothing with a fucking umbrella. Yeah. I'm flat, like, I, you know, I, I have friends, like, you know, like, Bella Donna was one of my really good friends, and, you know, she was at my house the night before she, like, took a baseball bat up her ass, and I'm like, how do you even get ready for something like that? You know, like, it's Spring just, training. it's, it's mind-blowing to me, but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's like I said, it's crazy because I don't think uh, people, uh, new talent, they don't have that leverage like they used to. And it's I, funny. I think you're right. And you said about putting the marketing and the time and the money and the effort behind you to make you what you were known back then as a porn star. And right. I remember having a guest on, and I can't recall who it was, so I apologize, but I had a guest on that says that, you know, there's no, not really porn stars anymore like what is a porn star you know when yep. you think of a porn star you know you think of certain names that can almost be like the mount rushmore of the yep. adult entertainment business those are porn stars now it's just you know girls that are having sex on camera not that they're yep. not talented or not sexy or pretty or you know uh have a lot of personality or charisma but there's just like what what makes a star anymore when again there's so much of it out there right. so it's almost you know, I, an I like an to say to people, I, you know, I'm like, you have to have credentials. Like, you have to, just because you did, you know, you had took five guys in, the, in your butt doesn't mean that you're a porn star. Like, I just, I feel like you have to have accolades and credentials and, and not so much win awards, but just be, you know, have something under your belt that you can say, okay, well, I did this, 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 and this, and this, and it's not just about one thing, you know, like... Hartley is is one of my favorite all-time stars you know and she'll always be a star and she, and she doesn't just do porn she's done a million things you know and, and she's been a pioneer for the industry for years and it's she's a porn a Tara Patrick is a porn star like mm -hmm. these people have done things not just sexual on camera have done other things for the industry uh, around the industry you know to to make us look great you know and they've almost become household names so for people who exactly. are not even familiar with porn or watch it they you know right. know of certain people's names and they're like i may not be able to pick them out in the lineup but i've heard that name before and um right. and it's crazy because like you said about um doing different things like having credentials and I know I had spoken to different people off the record, not on podcasts or anything, but saying how, you know, it was a big deal if you could sell the most box covers or you could get on the right. most box covers. Like if you were pushing VHS tapes and, you know, right. people, yeah. it, almost, it was, it's almost like how people would look at like vinyl records or like CDs. Like it's like one of those iconic covers, you know, you know yes. that, that Beatles exactly. Abbey Road cover, you know, or Michael Jackson's, yeah. you know, like off the wall. And you're like, oh, I definitely like. You know, or you could you could just look at that and you're like, or Pink Floyd's, you know, like the prison. Like, you know the cover, you know, like you yeah, say it and it just too. pops in your head. So the thing could be yep. said with the adult business. And um, one of the other things I wanted to note is that you say, you know, that there's you it's almost you're you were more than a porn star, you know, and it's and um, even like you said, even if you took five up the butt doesn't make you a porn star. And I and I have got to the point now where it's like when I introduce people, I'd. I still get caught up. I still say, you know, oh, uh, we got a, you know, adult porn star, adult film star. But now I'm starting to get into, I have to say, adult entertainer, because there's yeah. so many different avenues mm -hmm. where it's not just, you know, going on set, having sex, filming it. Like there's so many different other things, um, which kind of leads me to what is something that once you've seen the business was evolving, you got out of it and came back. What was something that intrigued you that you saw that was different from when you first started you're like oh i really want to start doing this or at least look into doing this i think you know when i was when i first started i you know i everybody had a website and um but it was it was very very different you had you know you had a webmaster and you you pretty much had no control over it you know you 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 sent them material um they put up what they wanted you know um everything had to be like pretty much like studio style material. Um, and it, it, I feel like you had no control. That was like, that was my biggest thing. And I, and 
I'm like, why can't I ever add stuff? And they're like, no, because we have a format and it has to look like this. And, you know, and, and it was, it was very pretty mm-hmm. and it was very glitzy and, and everybody had this very pretty glitzy website, you know, but you, I mean, you made a little bit of money, but you really didn't, you couldn't live off the money that you made on your website. You know, it was like whatever they were charging $30 a month or something, but it just wasn't, it wasn't great. You know, like you could make a little money, but it wasn't great. Now, um, especially with the only fans, you have total control of everything. Um, you, you know, you run it and mm-hmm. you talk to, you know, it's, it's, it's total control and there's no, um, and it's not all glitzy and glammy, you know, it's, it's very like raw. It's like you put up what content you want, you say what you want, you, you know, and you make money if you want, you know, you charge what you want, you, however you, you run it, however you want. And so that to me was like a huge difference um, from the glitzy, glammy website to now, here you go. It's a raw. Wham, raw bam, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, you know, and it's like. <laughs> What's your PayPal? What's your Venmo? We can sign you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So it's like, it, it's, yeah, that was the huge, I think that was the biggest difference for me to see that. Well, one of the things I can take away from your explanation of that is. You're saying how they only put what they wanted to put on there. You got to remind and remember too is that like a lot of these these web designers and everything were being paid, you know. Right. So like if they gave right. you the control of doing it, then essentially they're not needed. Right. Um, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So like clearly they're not going to you know loosen the reins a little bit and be like, oh yeah, well you can post this, just post this <laughs> later on, and then you know because then eventually the light bulb goes off. I'm like, what the fuck do I need you for? Well, you know what's funny is I went to school, like when I was like a long time ago, like I I went to school to become a a Mac genius, but not to work at the store just because I wanted to know how it all worked and how how it all ran. And I wanted to know what HTML was, you know, and so when I talked to my webmaster, I could talk to him on the level where he could understand it. And he didn't like it, I think sometimes, <laughs> you know, because he's like, wait, you're starting to know a little bit too much. And uh, that's not good for us. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a field that changes so much. I went to school for graphic design and commercial art. And I can tell you like having experience with HTML coding and Dreamweaver and different yes. programs like that. Yep. And then flash became a real big thing. Yep. And it's changed so much if you get out of it for a couple months guess what you're fucked yeah, you're you don't never know yeah you're not gonna but then nope. it makes it easier too because now people listen to the podcast that i have on my my website which is technically a blog through blogger and it's like a lot of it does it for you um, right so it, it's crazy because like you said it, you now with the new technology you're able to post what you want to post it could be raw and it could be you know, it doesn't have to be all glitzy and pretty and everything. And then it, it, it really like makes you realize that like all this time that these people were nitpicking about what was, you know, glitzy and pretty and everything. At the end of the day, what do guys want to do when they look at your videos? They're looking at because they want to jerk off. They don't really right. care if it's raw, if it's edited, you know what I mean? Like they don't <laughs> exactly. care if they see the cameraman in the background and like a mirror. You're like, oh, his reflection is there. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of crazy that they have the mindset that they can block that out. Like, oh, I can see the guy in the reflection of that mirror there. Right, right. Like, oh, wait, there's a shadow there. Nope, we're not putting that. Oh, there's a third guy in the room. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm not gonna watch this. You know, so it's 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 funny that somebody along the lines thought that you had to like not see that. Like it was almost like a you know revealing behind the curtain. You know, at the end of the day, it's like. Dudes really don't care. They're just watching it because they're just getting their jollies off. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> so fans ask all the time. They want to know what was your favorite scenes to shoot? Like, what did you get excited for? Whether it was something that you were doing in your personal life or just something that was exclusive to camera. Um, when you got your like, because I've been told and correct me if I'm wrong. I've been told when people go in, they're not necessarily sure what they're going to shoot. They just kind of give them, you know, a synopsis of it's like they know it's going to be like a butt scene or it's like, you know, a titty scene or something like that. Is that true? And then how often do you know ahead of time what you are walking into? Okay, so it is true for the most part. Like nowadays, like they don't really they'll tell you. I mean, no one's going to say, hey, um, you know, oh, you just got here. You're going to do an anal scene like you, you know what you know, you know, the sex that you're going to have, you know, if you're going to do a blowjob scene, if you're going to do an anal scene, if you're going to do 
I don't even know what else, an umbrella in the air scene, you know, you know what you're going to do. But as far as the synopsis, you really don't know. Um, You you know, you might have an idea, but they'll say, okay, so today the pizza boy is going to come in and you're going to throw a pizza at his face and then you're going to start sucking his dick. And then, you know, so that you usually don't know nowadays. You, You definitely know about the sex, but um, back in the the days, you know, before, I mean, I used to write, like Jill Kelly used to let us write our movies, um, if we wanted to. And so a lot of them I wrote myself, like I wrote the whole scenario and I wrote, you know, how I wanted to, what I wanted to do. But so I usually would just like, I would take from other movies that I seen. So like, I loved nine and a half weeks when they had that food scene. So mm-hmm. I did a movie like that. It's called Tastefully Tyler, um, you know, like stuff like that. Like I would, I would see other movies and I would just kind of take what I liked from it and, and do my own thing with it. Put it like a, a dirty spin on it, I guess. Okay. So like when they, uh, they tell you you were going to do something like a blow bang or, you know, something like that. What, has there ever been a time where you've walked onto a set, were told this is what we're going to do and felt like, no, I can't do this. No, I never had, knock on wood, I've never had a bad experience. And I've never been in an uncomfortable situation where somebody has said, this is what you're going to do, and then got there and then said, oh, no, we're going to change it up, or or this is how, or we're going to do this. That's never happened to me, um, luckily, because I would probably kill somebody. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I've never had that happen to me. So I, I guess I've been a lucky one, one of the lucky ones. Now, fans uh, meet you at different events. They meet you in your feature dance, meet you at Exoticas and AVNs and all these different things. What is the one scene or one movie or the one time that fans always seem to remember? What's the one that seems to always – you always get told about when someone sees your word and say, oh, I loved when you did this. So I forget the name of the movie. I should remember it, but it was a hot tub scene – and the and the the male actor and his name was Bill Bailey. He actually passed away like last year. He fell off a railing or so. It was like I a did crazy hear about story. that. Yeah. yeah. So it was like just, in Mexico or something, wasn't yeah, it? I think yeah. I think it was like um, I think it was at a convention. There was a yeah, convention down there, and I, and I think he had been drinking or something. And mm-hmm. but anyways, yeah. So I did a scene with him. I think it was for Naughty America, Christian was the director and the producer. And um, it just, people always say to me, I love that scene. You did the hot tub scene uh, with Bill Bailey, or they'll say, I, I forget how, but they, everybody seems to love that, that movie, that scene, that, that, yeah. Now, how much of your content do you watch? Like, do you watch I, stuff back? Do you like analyze video? Like, do you have game, game day, you know, video that you're watching and prepping? I know. Uh, yeah, I have Bill Belichick at my house making sure that I watch. No, I don't. Do, I don't do that anymore. In the very beginning, I did. Um, Is that I weird did, watching your own stuff? Well, it was very weird, especially because, you know, I think everybody, once they hear themselves on video, they like cringe, you know. So imagine hearing yourself have sex. It was so <laughs> shocking. It, and I, 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 I would never listen to it with the sound. Because I'm like, oh my god, I sound so ridiculous with my accent and just just the sounds that you make having sex is not attractive to hear for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I would always put the volume down, but I would watch it to see how I looked and make sure, like, oh, maybe this isn't a good position. I mean, next time I'll do a different, you know, have my leg up a different way or something. Yeah. So I definitely, I definitely critiqued myself in the beginning, but didn't hear it. Didn't hear it. Now, how no. much of the current product do you invest in? Like, do you have time and to watch some of the newer stuff, or do you use it? You're, I don't you're watch consumed? it anymore. Yeah, I don't watch it anymore. I don't want to see it anymore. I think now I laugh. Like, I'm like, because it's just, I don't know. It's been so long that I'm like, I, what else can I look at and say? Okay, uh, maybe I should do this because then I'll, because I'll then I'll go crazy critiquing myself, you know. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, is there anything that you still wanted to do? I mean, being in the business as long as you have and have experienced so many different, you know, ups and downs and changes of the game. Is there anything that you want to do or regret not getting the opportunity to do? You know, I I think that um, 
I don't know. I mean, there's, obviously, there's always more that you you could do or want to do. Um, you know, I never really did anything crazy. So, you know, when I came back, I did um, an 11 guy like blow bang or or like a glory hole thing. So that was really cool. Um, I never did anything like that before. It was like a big deal. So so that was kind of you know very risque for me to do and you know and exciting in a way because I never had done anything like that before. Now, what is uh, what's a normal day for you like? I mean, currently not shooting with big production companies. Have the OnlyFans. And I don't yep. mean so much a current day in yeah, it was today's like today. turn. Yeah, like, like oh, today. Like yeah, I went to the grocery store, <laughs> went to Costco, and uh, yeah, I had my on, mask on a non-COVID coronavirus <laughs> situation. Um, and uh, I, well, I ha I have a couple dogs, and um, so they are a big part of my day all the time. But um, you know, I just like I don't know. I mean, I have a family and stuff, so I guess. That's the, that's what you know. That's what I do when I'm not in, engaging in adult activity. Now you say you have a family and everything. How does your family react when you first got into it? And how do they like adapted? Like if I would assume that if being again, I keep saying as long as you've been in the business, not to make it sound like an old hag, but <laughs> as long as you've been in the business, I mean, you would think after a while, like family and friends would almost become, you know, kind of like immune or numb to the situation that that's what you do um but how often is it talk discussed is it taboo you know I, it's like you said it has been so long so i it's think it's almost like the norm now it's it well yeah it's you know they and my friends you know they're very very support like most of my friends i've had my whole entire life like my best friend melissa we walked to kindergarten together when we were six years old and we're still like thick as thieves, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm super blessed to have my friends like that I've had my whole entire life and been supportive of me and their lives are completely different than mine. You know, they're mostly all married and have kids and, you know, settled down really young. And I left and moved to LA and became a porn star, you know, but <laughs> at the end of the day, we're all still, you know, Boston girls and we're still, you know, just do our thing. I, I don't know. I, I feel very blessed to have have the people around me that I have because they're very real and they're very raw and and um, genuine. So, but you know, it was very shocking in the beginning because it's. I mean, if, if you say to anybody, "Hey, I'm going to move to California and become a porn star," that just sounds like you know crazy talk. Like, what? No, <laughs> you know. But and my family at first was very nervous because you know the this is going back 20 years ago, it wasn't as accepted. And, you know, it was still a little like, I think, shady in people's minds thinking maybe this is happening in basements and, or they're going to drug her up and give her drugs. And, you know, so I think that was probably just the unknown, because now I feel like everybody, it's so mainstream and, and out there that I don't think anybody really thinks that porn is shot in anyone's basement or, or you know what the the shadiness of of what it was back in the you know 80s or 70s so the perception is completely different and i think you came up in a, in, a, in the right perfect time too because you were right there in a in, like you said you weren't there like in the 70s and early 80s when you know people were unsure of what was going on and you know right thankfully if there you know is a bit to be grateful for is the fact that there is information out there now that shows that you know it's not like it's not like fucking boogie nights you know what i mean right. it wasn't, <laughs> exactly. you know what i mean burt reynolds exactly. was not walking around people weren't right. rolling buying roller skates you know it wasn't like <laughs> the whole stereotypical you know porn scene but i think you came up in in a time where you i don't want to say the word easier but i think you had a little bit softer than some other people nowadays because again, i agree I agree. nowadays it's so much harder because people are pressured to do things that's out of their comfort zone you know I people agree. are taken advantage of although you said you know people don't believe that's being shot in basements anymore there's still the dark side of it that yeah you know i think it's a little bit more extreme now than probably was when the star was more you know at you know they were more at the mercy of you than the yeah, other right. way around it is today so i think I mean, my personal opinion is that you, you came in at a time and I don't want to say exited, but like when you left and came back, like you came in and in a right good a time and had enough knowledge that 
unfortunately, right. a lot of people I don't think have that proper knowledge. Hopefully, they're getting a lot of it today. You're right. No, you, you know what? My timing in life has never been so great, <laughs> but I, I have to agree. You're right. I, I came in in a great time. I had a great run. And when I left and then came back, it was, it was, I left in a good amount of time and came back and, and was very wise to mm -hmm. what was going on. So I wasn't, didn't get caught up in all that craziness, I guess. All the crazy bullshit, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I, and I got to talk about it and you knew this was going to come up before we got to the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So when I talked to you in yes. Exotica in New Jersey, we were talking about how you're, you know, a, a rabbit Boston sports fan. And yep. first off, before we get into the big, big questions, yeah. um, what is, what's for you and for, you know, your fellow Boston sports fans, what is, what is life like right now without having sports? Because Boston is, is a big oh. sports town coming from the Philadelphia area. Like we're we're a diehard sports town. You know, you got those 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 iconic towns, the Boston, Chicago's, New York's, Phillies. What is the Boston sports scene like right now where there's there's nothing going on? It is really sad. <laughs> I don't know what's worse, you know, being in this house and doing nothing or not having any sports. I mean, at least if we could watch sports, you know, like, I guess it would make things, it would ease our pain. But yeah, it's really tough. Because right now, you know, we would be in the beginning of our Red Sox season, you know, we'd be in the height of, you know, uh, basketball and, and hockey. And, you know, when the NHL called the season or, or you know, and uh, stopped it. The Bruins were in first place. They were, they had 100 points. They were leading the whole entire league. And it's like, what? No. <laughs> you know, it's, it's tough. It was, and the Celtics look so good, too. Ugh. And then, I mean, yeah. but at least the one thing is that you had the Red Sox going into this, this season. And there's a little bit of controversy going into the season, you know, with the whole a uh, lot of controversy. Yeah, a lot of stuff that went down with, you know, what happened with the the, the Astros, and the trickle down yeah. effect, and you know, um, you know, Cora having his his hands in that mix. Um, so it might have been a little bit of a, a beautiful distraction, <laughs> in a way. Yeah, it might have it might have been good because they didn't have a coach. To start yeah, exactly. Manager. So who I, knows? Uh, yeah. When we start baseball back up again, whether it be in May or June or July or if at all, or even next year, maybe people will forget, you know, right. everything that happened with that. You can kind of start fresh, but it, it might also give you time to kind of prepare because, again, we were talking just about a manager. Yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, you were like right up against the beginning of the season. and It was just like, yeah. OK, no, manager. we were no, we were in, um, you know, spring training without a manager. Yeah, that's what I'm well, saying. So. <laughs> Crazy. Now, maybe it gives you more time to kind of like take a look around and see, you know, um, who is still available out there and, you know, who, you know, gave you more time to kind of assess what was going on. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so and to be honest, I feel bad for Cora. I feel like he got the scapegoat of that whole thing. He's I feel like he's the scapegoat of that whole thing, because obviously the higher ups all knew what was going on and it came from up there, you know, and he's. You know, he's guilty too, but he's taking the heat for all of it, you know, and it's mm. like, wow, that's like, hello, what about the owners that, that knew about it and all these other people that knew about it, you know? Well, at least he got to win a World Series. And <laughs> I mean, he got to coach some games. I mean, Carlos Beltran got hired as the Mets manager, never coached a game and got fired. So, uh, I know that's right. I forgot about that. So at least he got to win a championship in Houston and one in Boston. You know, at least he's got two rings. You know, it's like if there's any constellation to it. You know. Yeah, that's true. Can you yeah. imagine going through that whole press conference, being introduced as a coach and a manager of the Mets and then never even seeing the field <laughs> no i can't i actually i mean it's not even funny i shouldn't laugh that's awful but uh, no i can't that's that's like god he must have had some really bad karma coming to him because that's awful and the only thing that would have made it better for you is if it were the other team in new york I'm not so like bitter about them, you know. Like I feel like you've gotten we, what three or four championships uh, yeah. since then. You, you know, know, I feel, I guess if we ha yeah, if we hadn't, then yeah, I'd probably still be bitter, you know, because the whole curse nonsense. And I was gonna say if 2004 never happened, 
right. this answer may not be so, you know, sympathetic. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I agree. I agree. My, my, my blood pressure right now might not be what it's at. It might be quite higher having this conversation, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not really, I mean, it's fun to have a rivalry, you know, mm-hmm. but. Could you imagine go. if this were September? And you were heading into, you know, almost October playoff baseball with the best record in baseball. It, 2004 have never happened. You're still like like wanting that World Series championship that you haven't gotten since 1918. And then this coronavirus hit. Oh, my God. I, no, I can't. No. What's the over <laughs> under? People passing away from coronavirus or people just jumping into the, you know, the harbor or something because – because because the Red Sox almost won the World Series, yeah. <laughs> I think got people, cut short. Honestly, people would be praying for the coronavirus because they would be so mad, <laughs> at, you know, like I'll kill you, coronavirus. Maybe lose this, you know. We didn't get a chance. It's like the one person that was hated more, other than Babe Ruth, you know, the coronavirus. <laughs> the cor- yeah, exa- exactly. Oh my goodness. So, um, all right. So let's just you know jump into it. You know, you're. Go you're for it. Your New Perfect. England Patriots. Yes. Okay. And yeah. this is this is a tough conversation right here, by the way. <laughs> now I know how how much you love Tommy Terrific. How yes. terrific is Tommy still? Oh God, this is such a because I mean obviously I have my own feelings, but you know, like I'm trying not to be selfish about it. Indulge, let it out, let it out. Oh, it's, it's not so, good to keep it inside. I, <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I really think that he didn't want to stay here. Uh-huh. I think to be completely honest, something happened between him and Bill Belichick a few years back. I don't know what I, it might have wanted been. to ship his ass to San Francisco. Well, maybe. Yeah. That, that was going to be my next comment. Yeah. <laughs> I think I to be. Yeah. I think that's that's what happened. I think he, Belichick wanted to keep Garoppolo and get rid of Brady and Kraft said, hell no, you're not fucking getting rid of my golden boy. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, it hasn't been the same relationship between them. And then last year with all the nonsense, you know, with Antonio Brown and, and not having anybody to throw to except for Julian Edelman, um, you know, it, it, it made, it gave him so much like, you know, people, he lose it when he doesn't have anybody to throw to. It's not his fault, you know. Mm-hmm. You give him like a bunch of rookies. You take Gronk away and don't replace the hole that Gronk left, which I don't think you could replace that hole. But you didn't even make an effort to replace Gronk, even in any sort of way. You just thought you'd going to wing it, you know, with maybe Jacoby Myers or I, I don't know Ben Watson or. I, so, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking with the offense. I thought maybe they just figured, oh, well, we'll just wing it because our defense is going to be st- so stellar. Mm-hmm. But you still have to put up points. And they weren't even – they weren't even – They. I don't know if they had, like, the worst red zone record. But if, if not, it was one of the worst red zone records because they could not score on the one-yard line, on the five-yard line, on the t- – like, no matter if they had 10 chances, they weren't scoring. And it was so frustrating to see. And I know that Tom, being the ultimate competitor, was frustrated the whole entire year. You could see it. And he just wasn't happy here. I think the Patriots could have offered him $100 million and everybody on the fucking, you know, the offensive line. Like, we're going to get every star from every team on the offensive line. I don't think he wanted to stay here. I think he wanted to leave. I'm not saying he wanted to go to Tampa, but I think Tampa gave him the best opportunity to be himself. You know, I think he's, I think he wants to prove something without Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, cause he's, he is the ultimate competitor and he, he, he still has so much to prove. And now even more because it's him, you know, and in Tampa, they, he's going to have pretty much control of everything. You know, he's going to call the plays. He's going to, so it's going to be a lot of pressure on him, but I think that's ultimately what he wants. And you know what? He would never have gotten that here. Never. Now, a lot of conspiracy theorists were saying that, you know, the reason why the Patriots never filled a lot of those holes is because they, you know, they kind of wanted to put it at the feet of, you know, Tommy and say, you know, like, look, he, 
you know, he couldn't get the job done, you know, like he's no longer any good. I mean, do you believe into that hype no. or do you just think not, it's just... Not one bit. No, nobody wants to lose. Nobody's going to nobody's gonna do that. No, I absolutely don't believe that. Are they going to try to make him look bad, the, the person that won a six Super Bowls? No way. Mm. No way. They just, if you look at it, like they, they just always think they're going to be able to wing it, you know, and, and for the most part, they always have. They've gotten very, very lucky with most of their, like, with their picks or what, you know, but, you know, they thought they were going to get lucky with Antonio Brown. I get it. We would have gotten lucky with Antonio Brown had he not been such a dumbass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stay off your phone. Stay off your phone. Don't text back to people that are going to accuse you of sexual harassment. Yeah. Um, you know, just don't text back. <laughs> but so I, I think that they, they were banking a lot on Antonio Brown because they got rid of a you know, in the beginning, who did they get rid of? Um, Demarius Thomas, right? They got rid of him. Mm-hmm. They got rid of a few players when they signed Antonio Brown. So they were banking on Antonio Brown to be their, I guess, not be a Gronk because it's completely different, but take the place of an amazing receiver. You know, somebody that that's fast, that's going to, you know, doesn't have the power of Gronk, but in his own right has has a you know so many gifts and so many talents that would have been amazing. Well, I, I question some of the, the decision making there anyway because you were sending Thomas and what they they sent him to the Jets I believe right. So yeah. You yep. sent him in division you know right and you were taking a chance. Too. Yeah, you were taking a chance that like yeah. you already knew Antonio Brown had this kind of like black cloud, you know, yeah. hovering over him. You know, so it's like really like you. you gave up some pieces to take a chance on somebody. And now that that didn't work, it left you with no pieces. Um, right. But right. how, like, what was your, your thought process during this whole thing? Like how, how much did you think that he would be coming back and how much did you think that it was over? Like, was it 50, 50? Like, what were your, you know, the whole, like him, like selling his house last year was really suspect to me, <laughs> you know, like why would all of a sudden you be selling this house that you, you know, built and made, you know, to, to like, you know, he like bought out like land right near Robert Kraft. And he had this amazing house built to like, you know, his standard, like, you know, they had a yoga studio and all this like crazy stuff put in there where you think that if you're going to build a house like that, that's something you're going to keep forever, you know? And, um, and then I heard from a friend of mine in Vegas that he bought a house in Vegas a few months ago. So I'm like, Okay, this is like, you know. He's going to the Raiders. <laughs> right. I thought, well, he's probably going to go to the Raiders. But why would he want to move to Vegas? Who wants to live out there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he just doesn't seem like the Vegas type. But who knows? Um, I never would have thought Tampa. I thought maybe um, if he was going to leave, you know, L.A. would have been a good fit for him. Because, you know, the Chargers and he's from California. But to be honest, I really didn't think he was going to leave. I thought he was going to end his career as a Patriot. But mm-hmm. I guess he just has other things that he wants to do. And it doesn't include being in a Patriots uniform. Now, they call it they call it the flashbulb moment. That moment where you know where you were in that place of time. You know, older people <laughs> can say they know where they were when they heard, you know, uh, JFK was assassinated. Or they can, you know take you back to a time when 9-11 happened and people nowadays or 20 years are going to say they know what happened when the coronavirus popped off but yeah. where were you when you heard the news that tom brady was officially going to tampa i was in my bed sleeping and woke <laughs> up like to to a, probably a thousand texts you know he's leaving he's leaving and i'm like and i'm you know half asleep i'm like what are these people talking about who's leaving like is it my boyfriend like what is what's going on <laughs> he's leaving you <laughs> I'm like, hey, what's going on <laughs> and so i even I'm the like, dogs were getting upset even my dogs were upset yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's how crazy it was but so yeah so i woke up like in a in, you know seeing a million messages like so confused thinking who the hell is leaving me? You, you know, like what? Yeah. Second most important man next to your boyfriend is leaving you. you know? Very, very, very sad moment. Very sad. <laughs> yeah. Very sad. 
Now, yeah. what was what was the initial reaction? You know, I mean, you see people like the first thing I thought of was like the LeBron James situation. You know, like clearly, you know, Tom Brady did not have a big TV special announcing that he was taking his talents to, you know, the retirement senior center of the world, Tampa. Um, but were people angry? I mean, I'm sure people were upset, but like it was their like. You see all the reactions on social media. People went a little out of pocket, went a little cray cray, and were saying things like, "Oh, you know, screw him!" And like, dude, he got you six Super Bowls. Like, I know. what was the the initial reaction? I think everybody was mad, especially because the day before is when they closed the bars and restaurants. So like, you couldn't even go out and drink your, your sorrows away. You had to just stay home, you know, and just watch the TV constantly and just have them talk about it and you just get crazier and crazier. Um, so I, I mean, I was mad. I was heated. I was so mad. I'm like, I can't believe he's doing this to us. We have a coronavirus going on. Why is he leaving us now? Like it's horrible. So yeah, I was mad. I was now, mad. Were people were people more mad at him or more mad at the organization. Because again, a lot of people said this stemmed because of his relationship with Belichick, you know, so we're like, was there a divide? I think so. I think now more people are mad at at, at those organization. Or, you know, I think they're not so. I think the initial reaction was everybody was mad at him, and then when the dust cleared, they're like, "How could they let him go?" And you know, so I don't know. I mean, it's, I guess it's whatever you believe. If you know, if you believe that he wanted to leave, or if he, you know, he was pushed out, or who knows. Now, we'll see what happens in Tampa. I mean, right now, I mean, we don't know if there will be an NFL season this year. Uh, He signed a two-year contract, and, you know, Father Time is going to catch up with him. Do you think he has one more Super Bowl in him? Yes, I do. I actually do. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough division he's going to be in now. It is. I mean, the NFL is tough no matter what. You know, like, people always say the AFC East is is not that tough. That's why he's so good. It's all tough. You know what I mean? Like, it's all, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, we play the Dolphins twice a year, and they always seem to get us somehow. I don't know how. They couldn't win a game last year, but they managed to to win when it counted, you know? Mm -hmm. They know each other. You know, the coaches know each other. They know how they play. So, it's. I don't know. I, I just think the NFL is, is, is a tough league no matter what, no matter what division you're in, you know, and every year it's different. So time will tell time will <laughs> tell time against Tom. I think it was not the name of his series or time yeah. versus t- something like that. Time like one of, yeah. Tom or one yeah. of those sports documentaries. Yeah. So in closing, before we, you know, let you get back to quarantining, uh, yep. what is, what is something you want to, um, now that you have a little bit of downtime, as we all have a little bit of downtime, what's something that you've committed to? A lot of people are, you know, trying to pick up a new hobby or, you know, learn something new that they haven't, whether it be a language or how to play an instrument or, you know, finally read that stack of books that's in their, their library that's just been collecting dust. What's something that you want to do uh, impactful while you're downtime? I definitely want to read. Read more? Definitely. You know, because I feel like we don't really get to do that in a busy, you know, I, I do, I guess, a little bit when I'm traveling, you know, on planes, mm-hmm. I try to always bring a book with me. But now I can actually sit down for a couple hours a day and read a book, you know, and it's so good for your mind. I've come to realize, like, because it slows down your mind, you know, it makes you concentrate. And I feel like our minds from looking at our phones or, you know, answering emails, looking at a computer screen or just, there's so much like thing, like, like lights and, and, you know, technology and computers and, and things in our eyes that our, our brains are not slowing down. It's very fast. And reading, I feel like I, I feel cause it's the last like few weeks I've felt like this, that it slows down your brain and gives your brain like some time to relax and like enjoy the moment. You know, because it can it can actually like make a a picture in it in your head, and and it's like I don't know. I, I've 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 really enjoyed reading, so I guess it's been good. I totally get that. I feel I feel like a lot of people right now are, and I I'm at fault of it myself, where I think a lot of people are on a a roller coaster. There are a lot of unemployment right now. A lot of people are trying to figure out like how they're going to make ends meet. 
you know, and then at one moment I can speak for myself. At one moment you're feeling upbeat and positive. You're like, all right, I'm going to do all these awesome podcasts. I'm going to have some great talent come on. I'm going to, you know, do things that I love. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to do all this kind of stuff. And then at other times I'm feeling like, you know, like you hit like that anxiety curve that you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do about this? And, uh, it's a struggle. So I, I'm hoping that people are, you know, listening to this podcast and, you know, whether you are reading or learning a, a new trade or hobby or language, if you're doing something that is, is kind of easing your mind, then, you know, that's the one thing that I can hope for people, you know, because again, there's so much uncertainty right now, what's going on, I, you know, and I'm trying to take full advantage of the time that I have right now because no one's able to say that in two months or three months that, you know, I'm even going to be in this position where I'm able to have awesome guests like you on and have us just rant about, you know, Tom Brady. So I guess what really what I'm saying is it makes you take a lot more in perspective and appreciate a lot more of the things that you have because at any moment, you know, you like who would have ever thought, you know, you're hearing things compared to, you know, the Great Depression and the, and the Black Plague. And it makes you appreciate people that had to go through your, your grandparents and great grandparents who had to go through, you know, different things like, you know, world wars and, you know, things and you're like, how did they ever do it? And you take so much for granted. So hopefully everybody is, uh, got a better ease of mind and it, it's been, you know, awesome having you on. Is there anything you want the fans to know again, plug and promote the live show again for everybody on your only fans or where they can find you at? It's going to be at eight o'clock Eastern time, Eastern standard, I guess. Is that what you say? How you say it? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's for my it's for my members of my OnlyFans. It's a birthday show, so we're gonna be some interaction with my my fans and um, members, and they're gonna see an awesome sex show after that. So, yeah. And that's just right at OnlyFans, uh, Tyler Faith, think, or yes, OnlyFans.com forward slash Tyler Faith. Okay, awesome. So make sure you check her out on there. Check her out on all her social media platforms, and um, you know we feel for Boston right now during this tough time. And especially because, you know, the whole Tom Brady situation, but you guys will get through this, you know, part of me is like, do I really feel that bad? They got six Super Bowls. Like, really? Do I feel that bad for them? You're not the Cleveland Browns. You're not the Detroit Lions. You know what I mean? Like people in Detroit are like, screw you, Boston. Like, cry me a river. You know, you, you, you're not going to have a seventh Super Bowl, but hey, you never know. You never know Definitely. who might be uh, the quarterback of the the Patriots this year, and you know what what might what might happen. It might just shock yeah. the world, and maybe it is all Bill Belichick, and it wasn't Tom Brady. Who knows? I, you know, I I I always said it, it, it's a little bit of both, but I, if I'm going to go I with agree. who has the slight image, I mean advantage, it's Bill Belichick because he's a mad scientist. He's like. You know, he's like the scientist on, on Back to the Future. It's just, he's just, it's crazy how how smart he is about football. Yeah. And if you ever get an opportunity, he has a, a really good um, a, a football life on the NFL Network on Bill Belichick. And it's called like an NFL life or like a football life, like the documentaries they do on him. So, and I think right now the NFL Network is allowing you to download the app and watch all that stuff for free on demand. And I think they're even allowing you to watch it for free on demand on their YouTube channel. So usually that stuff is like, if you missed it on NFL Network, like you could watch it later back on the app, but you had to pay for it. So they're waiving okay. a lot of fees, but it's a really good documentary if you have not seen it. And it, it really kind of opened me up a little bit more to Bill Belichick because, I mean, clearly, like, being non-sport Boston sport fans, you only see so much of uh, Bill Belichick, you know, and what he lets out. Yes, so he yes. opens up. He's a little bit more vocal, and he gives you a little bit more insight into his personal life. If you've never seen it, it's a, it's a really good watch. But, well, I'm um, definitely going to watch it. I am definitely yeah, it is. I mean, we got all this free time now, you know, it's exactly. just like, like maybe you guys get to see a little bit more of his personality than we do, you know, on the, the mainstream nationwide worldwide media. You know, we always just kind of see the short answer, Bill Belichick, you know, and then, I mean, he's still, he's still monotone. He's still like sounds robotic in the documentary, <laughs> but at right. least he like elaborates a little bit more in his answers. His answers aren't, you know, one or two words, you know, but he's still very, very robotic when he speaks. Um, but yeah, again, we, we appreciate you coming on and everybody check out the live show and happy belated birthday to you and uh, be well, be safe, wash your hands, don't hoard and, you know, hold up all the toilet paper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right? But we really appreciate it. Make sure everybody is safe up there in the Boston area. Thank you. I love you. Mwah. Thank you. Take care.
Hi, this is Tyler Faith, and you're listening to Mix Master B on MMB Radio.